Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Elevate Your Booking show. Have a really interesting and enjoyable conversation today with Taylor Jones. He is on Twitter at Mr. Jones STRs. I first found Taylor probably about two or three months ago on Twitter, and he's just grown significantly since then, um, giving really tactical, really practical advice on you know growing a short-term rental business. Um, I think Taylor is kind of a good example of one of these new breeds, if you will, of people entering into the short-term rental space since COVID or after COVID. And it's just really fun, honestly, and engaging to get a different perspective and to get someone who kind of has a fresh outside look into this world of vacation rentals, as Taylor would say, short-term rentals, Airbnb, et cetera. So now, Taylor, I joked before we started recording that you're the fastest-growing Twitter account in the history of the short-term rental world, vacation rental world, and that's how I found you. But for folks who don't know you, would love to kind of hear like your backstory about how you got involved in short-term rentals, what you're focused on today project-wise, and then I have a, a whole host of questions to ask you after that. So first of all, welcome to the show, and yeah, tell the people about your background a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I, like most, have really enjoyed traveling in short-term rentals. So, you know, my kind of start just came obviously as a user. Me and my wife, I was looking at our account the other day. We've been to 21 different Airbnbs across the world, you know, since 2015. So I've been a user of the product. Didn't actually get into the investment side until COVID hit. And that's when, you know, we started buying our own Airbnbs and short-term rentals. And that was my first start into it. And going in, I initially thought I had the let's buy one a year for the next 10 years and how quickly you realize that once you buy one, you're instantly ready to go buy two and then go buy three, et cetera. And so that's kind of the approach we've taken. And then uh, about seven months ago, got involved with Superhost Labs. And what we're doing is we're building a huge short-term rental portfolio, you know, with a lot of investors and partners that we have across the U.S. Um, as we speak right now, we have 23 properties with nine more under contract in eight different markets. So it's really been an awesome opportunity for us to build this portfolio of short-term rentals with our awesome team that we have. Yeah. And obviously I've seen you kind of go from when you were talking about that to now actually doing it. And I have a lot of questions about that, but going back to your first one, what was it that made you made that leap? You said you started during COVID. Was it just like you saw a deal and you were like, oh, this might be interesting. Like, I'm, I'm curious, what was that spark that brought you to that very first one that you acquired? Yeah. So, so actually like some, I kind of had a pause in work being a sales guy. And when they kind of closed down your customer base for a little bit. So I had a two month pause where it was kind of one of those, you know, oh shoot, what am I going to do with life moments? And always had the itch for real estate. Wasn't sure whether I wanted to do wholesaling, flipping, multifamily, single family home. And so of course I bounced around, looked at everything and naturally always came back to short-term rentals and Airbnb. And so 400 hours of YouTube videos later, a um, bunch of bigger pockets, blogs and reading. At some point I was like, all right, I just got to give it a shot. And you know, kind of what I tell people is don't get analysis paralysis. You just need to know enough not to drown but you got to jump in and nobody's going to be Michael Phelps when they, you know, first jump in. But as long as you don't drown, you're going to be okay. It's not going to be this massive loss if you've done your homework and done it correctly. So for me, at some point, we just had to start writing offers. We ended up having to write six offers before we finally landed our first one. And, you know, the learning experience has been an absolute insane journey ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like your sentiment around like, at some point you reach where you can't study any further and actually learn. Like, I think you're, I think you're a golfer as well. If I was following correctly on your yeah, Twitter profile. Correct, yeah. yeah. And uh, I played a lot of junior golf as well. And like when I had a coach and he would talk a lot about that when it came to, you know, kids that would sit on the range all day 
And his whole sentiment was like, you're not really going to get better, you know, staying on the range all day. Like you're going to try to perfect the five yard draw, but ultimately you got to go play on the course because you have to play like in real conditions. And once we started playing in real conditions like, together against one another, you know, doing junior stuff back then, it was like, then we found a way to compete because there was always like ways to actually improve. And then bad things happen on the golf course too, right? <laughs> you know, you definitely around you know stuff like that so but that's also another discipline that's i would say impossible to master right pretty much no matter how, how good you are you encounter someone that's better than you and that was my experience at least and it's the same kind of challenge isn't it there's probably someone in your market that's doing better than you but there's a lot of return there in the middle right where you can be doing a, a good job a very good job and get pretty rewarded for it right absolutely and i think what a really great quote i saw somebody put out there is you never have losses you have a learning experience and so you know you might buy a property and it's a big win or you might buy a property and it's a really good learning experience you might lose five thousand ten thousand or, or or more make a mistake on it but it's never a loss if, if you take that and you use it as a learning experience it truly will push you forward in your real estate journey you know we were very fortunate to hit a winner with our first one and, and we've continued to accelerate but not everybody does some people do have learning experiences their first time but a lot of times those people come back even stronger and they actually push and grow further than those that kind of had success early out of the gate. Sometimes they maybe get too complacent with it, but the guy who had a learning experience his first time, I tend to see those people really push further on a growth basis. Yeah. And, you know, I, I joked at the top when we got started, you've been publicly like you're okay with this idea of sharing your wins publicly or sharing what you're working on in, the, in both your business and the, the partnership that you have built in publicly as well. What's like the motivation behind that. So what got you, so you're buying the properties, what got you to want to, I guess, share it with other people that might want to follow along with your journey? Yeah, certainly. I'm just talking to a couple of people. They, they said, Hey, if you want to get the most out of this and you know, the community is you need to give. So for me, I kind of have the rising tide lifts all boats mentality. If I can help people out, you know, tweet out different things that, that we're doing or things that could help or things that we've seen in the marketplace, then that's just great because if that person takes that nugget and they become a better operator, now there's better hosts everywhere. So yes, the standard is now higher, but that also means guests across the country are now having better experiences. Everybody can now charge more money because service is higher across the board. People keep coming back. They don't leave the platform and, and just stay at hotels anymore because they all had good Airbnb experiences. So for me, I'd almost rather teach everybody all the tips, tricks, secrets we've accumulated in operating our portfolio because if everybody becomes a better host, like I said, rising tide lifts all boats. So for me, that's why I try to tweet, you know, every day, give something back to the community about short-term rentals. And some people said, hey, man, you know, aren't you afraid you're giving away too many secrets? I'm like, yeah, maybe. But, you know, in all honesty, if I do my part and do my job, we're, we're not going to be affected. But if I can help other people, then it really elevates the asset class as a whole. And short-term rentals, Airbnbs, all of that becomes a better utilization for everybody. Yeah. I mean, Airbnb talks about this a lot. They have 6 million listings on their platform. I know that's a global number. So obviously not all those are necessarily in your market, but you know, it's not really a secret anymore, I guess, as far as, so like you're saying, if those 6 million hosts can be more professional and or elevate their game, it probably does help the, the overall network effects. And if you think about Airbnb as like a, it's almost, I don't want to say it's a mature company now, but it's a lot different than it was when I got started in 2013, 2014 like a professional manager or even a host of a single like leisure market property wouldn't even think about Airbnb back then. They were like, oh, isn't that like for like hostel rooms? You know, like what would be the, the conversations that might occur? Now it's a totally different beast today than it was back then. But you touched on something there, someone trying and during the pandemic, this certainly occurred, people trying vacation rentals, short-term rentals, whatever you want to call it, Airbnb for the first time. And now they're 
now they're maybe hooked on using the, the product, if you will. And yeah, if they have five bad experiences in a row from five different hosts, they're going to be like, ah, forget this. Like, I'll just go back to hotels where the consistency is there. Maybe the room is tiny and it's very uh, standardized, but that probably is bad for everybody. So I've told this story in the past, but my dad was a eBay power seller back in like, like when eBay got going, it was very popular. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the same thing. Like in order for eBay to work, everyone had to have a good experience buying things on eBay. Like if you got ripped off on buying a microphone or a computer, you know, then you wouldn't want to go buy what my dad was selling, which was guitars, rare guitars, very high ticket ones. So, you know, he felt the same way. Like, okay, I have competition on this platform, meaning eBay, same way in Airbnb. But if people have a good experience on eBay, they'll keep buying. They'll trust me when I go to sell a $5,000 rare Stratocaster. And um, ultimately that led to a lot of success for his like flipping guitar business. And I feel the same way about Airbnb. It is kind of akin in some ways to what eBay was from e-commerce back in the day. No, absolutely. That's a, a very good correlation. Yeah, right on. So, okay, you got the first property, you're making some progress, some momentum. But it, like I said, it seemed like you came out of the gate and you, because of perhaps maybe the studying that you mentioned, you did a really good job. What was it about that first property that you think made it a winner? Was it just that you bought it right? Did you, it seems like you, you think about the whole experience, I guess is what I'm saying. I, like I see you tweet and you talk about things like I saw you tweet one time and it was like, oh, I think of the wall of a property and you mm -hmm. like you were the, or the superhost labs had kind of painted the wall a very unique color. So it really stood out. It was like, oh, this is going to be a killer thumbnail photo. Like, where did you get that kind of stuff from? Like, how do you have this knowledge of technology? And like, I feel like like interior design and like property, like how do you kind of put all those things together? Yeah, a lot of it's collaboration, studying, looking at listings, there's really no better way to self-learn than to just look at top performers. And people always ask me, well, how do you know which ones are the top performers? Well, just search a city and whatever shows up on the first two pages is probably going to be the better listings. Airbnb, you know, they want you to book. So they're going to try to put the best listings early because that's how they make money is by bookings. So for me, it was just a matter of any new market we go into, you just study. What are these good listings that are on the first couple pages? What do they have in common? You know, do they all have hot tubs because we're in the mountains? Do they all have pools because we're in, you know, Texas or Florida in a coastal environment per se? You just want to look. And then once you find those commonalities, it's like, okay, that's our minimum. Now, what can we add to be different? So what can we do to stand out? Okay, everybody has a hot tub. All right, everybody has a deck. Everybody has a mountain view or is on the river or is within walking distance to the beach. But what can we be different? Do we provide kayaks for people and nobody else does? Do we you know, have an accent wall that um, people can use in the game room. You know, what are those things that we can use to stand out? And that's really how we take it an approach to looking at it. And honestly, the more listings you look at, the more ideas you get. I see a lot of creative people doing really great things. And so for me, I'm not as much a, how would you say, the originator of ideas, but I'm really good at copying smart people. And so I just try to take as many nuggets as I can from other people who are doing really cool stuff that I see. And I'm like, okay, this would be great. Let's apply this to our area. Easy example I saw as a parting gift type of thing, somebody put a Polaroid camera and a little booklet in their listing. And what they encourage every guest to do is take two photos, one to put it into the little uh, binder and write mm -hmm. a little description about them, their trip, what they enjoyed, and then take one home with them. So you're kind of taking like a Polaroid selfie and I was like, wow, that is totally unique. You know, the Polaroid camera is 150 bucks. So you got to buy the film and that's an ongoing cost. But, you know, talk about being different. I've never seen anybody do that. So boom, now that's an instant idea we can apply to any one of our properties to stand out.
Yeah, shout out. I'll put a link in the show notes to um, Southbound Stays, Megan McRae. She does that at her properties up in Tennessee. I think it's at her Nashville property or might be at her one in Leapers Fork. But anyways, I'll put a link in the show notes to that because I have seen that idea. Actually, hers is a little different. It's not a book. It's actually a wall. So you actually go and you put the photo on the wall and then the photo has, or the wall has little clothespins on it. And there's hundreds of other photos from guests that have stayed in the property. And then she has really cool like interior uh, design elements. Like it's like she has one, there's like a sign that's like, welcome to Nashville. And people love taking pictures in front of that sign and, uh, you know, tweeting them out or posting them on Instagram, things like that. And she does kind of get this like really, you know, sort of experience that people have between the photos and between the wall mural. And these things often don't cost crazy amounts of money. Like you referenced hot tubs earlier, that could cost you five, 10 grand. These little accent walls and Polaroid pictures are probably way less than that. And yet they provide a better experience for sure. So switching gears a little bit, you've got one listing. I think at some point you picked up another and then you got involved with um, Superhost Lab. So could you kind of break that down for me and explain what is that? Like, like it seems interesting, I guess. I'm, I'm curious to learn more about how that works and this sort of collection of properties that you've had the opportunity to collaborate on. Yeah, I would love to kind of hear more about how that, how that functions. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, two founders of our company came together. Both were ex-tech people, one, one at Facebook, one at Apple, saw an opportunity and what they did was very strategic is kind of assembled a group of super hosts. So what's really cool is everybody on our team, whether it's me personally, you know, obviously me and my wife are our super hosts. We have our properties, but our interior designers who design all of our properties for us, you know, they're super hosts, the, you know, project managers who oversee the renovations, they have their property. So what's really cool is we took a group of super hosts together. Nobody's a Wall Street, a bank executive, anything like that. You know, at the end of the day, we're all super hosts coming together to build this really awesome short-term rental portfolio. So we have great investors and partners who invest with us as we build this portfolio out across the country. And we're really excited to kind of chart these waters. This has never been done before. Nobody's built this massive, you know, US-wide portfolio and eventually we'll roll up the entire thing and sell it to an institution. I mean, that's the exit strategy, but it's really a cool thing to to be a part of, and I'm super excited. It, it's nervous because there is no track record of it, but we're also excited that we kind of get to set the waters as we set sail here and push forward with this. It's just a really cool opportunity to buy short-term rentals, renovate them, design them, you know, the way we want and the way we know that it's going to be successful. We'll manage them and rent them out and, you know, split the cash flows with our investors and our partners. And so it's really a great thing that we're building. We're really excited to continue to push along. One thing I've noticed from following you is that it seems like you do a lot of scouting. I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but you and Rohin, I think, do this frequently where you kind of talk about like just, you know, on searching today and like, I don't know what I'm going to find, but I know if I see it, like it, it catches your eye. So what's your process look, look like for that? Do you just have like a million Zillow safe searches or how do you do that? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, a little bit of that. We, we do also have an internal technology, which is super awesome, proprietary to us. And we're able to scour listings from across the country and key markets that we have identified. And we try to compare them to other projections through AirDNA, through Rabu, and other internal data points that we have. And so for us, it just helps us sift through the listings that aren't going to work more or less and push us in the right direction of listings that could work. You always need a human element. I think Zillow taught us that iBuying is not uh, profitable. <laughs> so we're not gonna only buy because our technology maybe says, hey, you should buy this, but more or less, we're gonna sift through all the listings that we know aren't gonna work out for us just from a return standpoint and allow us to just dive in and focus on ones that will. Once you get heavily involved in a market, the art side of it, and that's what I think buying short-term rentals is probably half data and half art form because mm -hmm. you know you might find something and the numbers work, but if 
we design it better and put in better amenities, we're going to drive 20 or 30% more revenue. So like I said, there is an art element uh, to this whole thing. It is not standardized. It's not like it's an apartment building where everything's the same. They all have granite countertops and stainless steel appliances. There is truly an art form to this. And that's really where a lot of people can differentiate themselves. Don't want to ask you to give away the farm, but what would be something that would be in that disqualification list? So if someone's listening and they are looking to either buy one or buy more, what would be something that you think would be the obvious things that would come to my mind would be like regulations, people not understanding that, but is that kind of mostly what it is? Or is there like particular property features that you would be like, nope, that's a no, no. Yeah. I, I mean, regulations big off the top, you know, we won't even look in an area that where there's regulatory issues or ones that are looming per se. But honestly, a lot of it's just going to be eliminated by price point. You know, if we know that, hey, a three bedroom in this market, we shouldn't be paying over X amount of dollars. Price is going to eliminate right off the top. B, it could be select features. So there's some markets where having a pool allows you to charge 50 to $100 more per night. So we'll quickly filter out anything without a pool, even if it's the best deal in the world. And we're like, oh my gosh, it's so cheap. We just know that eventually if we want to drive revenue and have a, a high daily rate, that we got to have a swimming pool. And so you start looking at those features, those things, we get deep into a market and we quickly realize that, hey, one bedroom condos are the best performing ones. We start going all in and buying as many one bedroom condos as we can. Or if we're like, hey, it's better to buy a five bedroom home and have you know multiple families, then we go buy that if... There's an opportunity where three bed, two baths are the best buy, then we're going to go go get those. So I think as you dive into a market, you start to realize, and the more listings you look at, the more things you see, that's how you accumulate that knowledge. We don't just have that right off the bat. It really takes just looking at listings every day in all of these markets that we want to be in. And the more we see listings, the more we understand, the more we gain that knowledge, and it just continues to snowball and you get more efficient and better. But it's definitely a slow, gradual process for people. So I wouldn't get discouraged right away. You just got to put the time in and it'll start compounding for you. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I can see is that you do and the you're not really tied to one area. Like I think you're based in Florida, but you don't want to just buy properties in Florida, even though it's obviously a massive vacational market, you look all over. So it seems like geographically you're open, right? You guys would approach a property in many different areas. What's your kind of take on hosting from afar? That's a small challenge. That's a big challenge. That's no big deal. What's your perspective? Yeah. I mean, personally, when we bought our first two, you know, me and my wife, those were eight hours away from us. So I, I jumped in on remote operations from the start. So our entire team, which sits at 16 people today, we're all over. I'm the only one in Florida. One of the founders lives in California. One of the other founders lives in um, Arizona. We've got people in Michigan, people all over the country. So we're completely settled with operating remotely. The key is building out your ground team in these local markets. And so that's something I think we do a good job is whenever we go into a new market is we form really good partnerships, get contracts with reliable people, and we kind of build out our Rolodex of partners in that market. And then once you do that once, you don't have to do it again. So accumulating a second property in that city becomes super easy. So the first one's always the hardest. And then the second one gets easier. The third one's even easier and so on and so forth, because you already have that established Rolodex of partners, your cleaner, your contractor, your handyman, your plumber, your electrician, you know, who to call for uh, utilities. All those things have already been taken care of with that first one. So the first one's always the toughest when entering a new market. But for us, we realized that if we only relied on markets where we all lived close by, we'd be very limited because some of those you can't STR in at all. And other of those are just not great markets as a whole. So for us, the opportunity to go everywhere is really the only way for us to grow this. And 
Like I said, today we're in eight different markets. We we'll, should be around 12 by end of year. So we're really excited to just continue to expand into these new markets across the U.S. I was actually about to ask that. All U.S., would you guys ever look at something internationally, just out of curiosity? Yeah, we've recently talked about it. I, I think we would definitely want to have the U.S. really established and locked in first prior to moving internationally. But it's something I think we're open to. We would want to get the right people in the right places. I don't think we have the team members, the knowledge today to um, correctly do that. And so we know what we're good at and we know what we're not. And so we try to either bring team members in who are good at that. So if there's super hosts out there who are international and have a good basis, that would be somebody we would op be open to talking to. And then that would give us the opportunity to grow an international arm with, with this whole portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly some markets that, you know, we've had the opportunity to do descriptions for or clients that we've worked with over the past few years in places in Central America. Obviously, some European markets have had a rough go of it, you know, with a lot of lockdown stuff that's since lifted and now we're doing very well. So there's a it's a whole big world out there. And there's you know, what's pretty interesting. There's <laughs> vacation rentals in most every most everywhere. Right. Certainly a lot of the countries that people aspire to travel to. This is kind of an old hat, right? Old business in a way. And that there's kind of new technology that's been brought into the fold. No, absolutely. On that thread of new technology, again, we were just chatting for a minute before we hopped on and started recording, but you you sort of have, I feel like you use a good number of tools out there, and there's a lot of tools out there, a lot of software companies out there that are sort of vying for attention from folks like yourself when it comes to um, software, PMS software, channel distribution, rate setting, cleaning tools, et cetera. Would you be open to sharing like some of your tech stack that you use and, and ones that you have experience with with Superhost Labs and just kind of talk about like maybe your favorite ones that you enjoy using that you'd recommend for other hosts and managers to check out? Yeah, certainly. I know that I think I uh, tweeted it out the other day, just kind of like a beginner's guide. You know, ones when it comes to channel managers, I think the two big ones that a lot of people look at is, is Guesty and Hospitable. When it comes to the pricing side and dynamic pricing, Price Labs, as well as Wheelhouse, you'll definitely want to have Smart Locks. We're very big fans of the uh, Schlage. I don't know if I'm saying it right, Encode. Unfortunately, right now, I know there's a chip shortage. Those things are hard to come by. So we've you know, had to start looking at backup ones as well. I know right now, speaking of eBay, they're selling for about double the price on eBay right now. So we've actually just swallowed it and paid an absorbent amount for some for those. Smart thermostats, you know, Google Nest, Honeywell, both provide really good products. You know, you got your digital guidebooks. You have great things such as like StayFi allows you to capture consumers' emails when they connect to your Wi-Fi. If you went to a local Starbucks or Panera, they, they have you put your name and email address in. So it's a great way now to build up your direct bookings on a long-term basis with technology like that. Ring cameras on the exterior, always good to see. Is there nine cars in your driveway and a rager's happening? <laughs> you know, that's a good way. And also too, just to check on your cleaners and your contractors. And if people are coming by the property, you can see, yes, they did in fact go there and, and when they came in and when they left. So, you know, the ring cameras are very big to have on the exterior of the house as well. So those are kind of some of the different basic technology pieces that we integrate into our business. Yeah, you touched on it briefly, stay fine doing direct bookings. Is that something that you've had the opportunity to kind of explore a little bit is doing more on the direct booking side of things? Or I guess what's your take on a lot of folks sort of want to get away from listing sites? They they don't want to be completely reliant on Airbnb. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I think some people think it's way easier than it is at the end of the day, if somebody's going to, you know, cabin for rent in Gatlinburg. They're probably not going to put that into Google. They're probably going to just go to Airbnb and type in Gatlinburg and then look at all the cabins. So you're trying to change consumer behavior. I mean, it's what all these businesses, yes, they have a direct buying website for their products, but they're listed on Amazon because it is a beast. 
And so I don't think you can deny the beast that is Airbnb and VRBO and you have to play that game. That does come with platform risk. For us, how we look at the direct bookings is it's really going to come into play in year two, year three. So if somebody stays at your property and they have a good time, then absolutely you would want to direct book them. Number two, I think for us is once we have multiple properties is now we can cross sell. Hey, you had a good time at one of our Scottsdale properties. Awesome. Well, does your family want to go, you know, rent one of our cabins in Blue Ridge? And so it, it allows us to cross sell, you know, that, hey, if they enjoyed us as hosts and they enjoyed, you know, the customer service that we provide, the amenities, our design and everything like that. Well, if you're going to take a, a vacation to a different market, check out one of our other properties. So we actually are about to launch direct bookings internally. It was something we want to make sure we had enough scale to make it worth our while to truly set up because we're going to do it right. But as far as just, you know, the individual consumer who thinks that oh, I'll just set up direct bookings and everybody will come, I, I would tell you, good luck. I've talked to a lot of these industry leaders who property management companies who have 500, 700, 800 listings. And I, I talk to them and say, hey, what percentage are direct bookings? And everybody sub 30%, 40% is, is kind of like the high mark. And so realistically, it takes time. You know, you, again, you need people to continue to come to your locations, want to rebook with you, but also you're trying to change consumer behavior. And that is a very expensive and very difficult thing to do. So that's my two cents. The people who say it's super easy, they haven't been involved in the space enough to truly understand it logistics wise. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing this since 2014. It's not easy and it's competitive and there's no doubt about it. And there are companies out there. We work with, we work with several that are getting high 90% direct bookings, but they're typically very established, right? They've been around a long time. We help them on like email marketing, for example, and their database sizes are in the several hundred thousand. So that's something that an individual host is just not going to be able to do. I don't care how good of an operator you are, but you know, I think there's a little surface area to grab onto. So just kind of for like educational purposes, like for example, if you name your property, something unique, people will sometimes come off Airbnb, off platform and search for you on Google. So that's a tiny little search volume, right? There may only be five people a month that do that. But if you have a website and you come up in Google when people search for the name of that listing, you're not trying to compete on Blue Ridge Cabins. You're trying to compete on whatever, something River Lodge, whatever the name of your property happens to be on Airbnb. So I think there's what we kind of teach or what we tell hosts that we have the opportunity to work with is there are small things that you can do that they're never going to completely remove you from Airbnb. In fact, I would pretty much never suggest that, that you actually try to get off of Airbnb completely. Because even at the very least, you could, even if you were getting a lot of direct bookings, I think you should still put your properties on Airbnb. You could always just put them at a premium, you know, at a higher rate so that if you get a booking there, great. It was a lot more than you were expecting. Otherwise, you sort of get this billboard effect. That's what some of these companies that have um, hundreds of listings are doing is they still put their inventory out there on Airbnb at like a 20% premium or 25% premium, even if they generate a lot of bookings directly. But yeah, I think when you say platform risk, that seems to be the most logical way to describe it. It's risky to only be on one platform. Even if that platform is amazing, even if that platform delivers a lot of bookings, you can get kicked off Airbnb, you can get suspended. We had a client that got kicked off Verbo for quote unquote, verbally harassing a guest because there was sort of a negative review left and he called a little upset. So he got kicked off Verbo for that. So I guess platforms are your partner in a way, right? Airbnb is your partner. Verbo is your partner, Expedia, but they do have a lot of other alternatives. So just because they're partnered with you now doesn't mean that it's going to be the gravy train forever. And I think it makes sense to, like you're saying, like some of the companies that have got to 30% direct, 40% direct, we see that quite a bit. And I think that's a logical approach once you get to a certain level of scale to focus on. Our friend, my friend Matt Landau talks about a table and a table is stable because it has four legs. So I've kind of used that in the past as a way to think about it. Could I get 25% of my bookings from multiple sources so that if even one of them got chopped off, I could still kind of move things around and still be pretty stable. I wouldn't be completely reliant on it. Whereas there's some folks out there where if Airbnb went away, they would essentially go to zero pretty quickly. And I think that's a pretty risky proposition from my perspective.
No, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Right on. Okay. So we've talked about like what makes it good, what makes it bad. You're, we talked about your future with Superhost, what you're focused on there, but you're still buying, aren't you? You're going to pick up more. Is that right? You're not going to slow down personally? No, nope, not going to slow down personally. As long as I have capital to deploy, I'm going to continue to buy and build, you know, both a personal portfolio while I'm on the sidelines or um, out of cash and continuing to rebuild. Um, that's where working with Superhost Labs and continuing to help, you know, grow that portfolio. So it's really awesome to be able to, you know, kind of work on building both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. What's, so what's like uh, the pieces that you're looking for, for yourself? Is there like a particular market? I know you don't share like exact markets all the time. You kind of share more regions that you're, you have an eye on. Just curious if there's like one that you, that you found or one area that you want to explore further that you think has growth opportunities. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm very bullish on the Southeast mountains as a whole living in Florida. I think I've visited, you know, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, a bunch. I think there's a ton of opportunity there. Those are very established markets that, you know, people have been traveling to and visiting since the 80s. You know, just grandma had her little getaway cabin or getaway cottage. So I'm very bullish on that as a whole personally. So I think continue to expand and offering that. You know, really excited though about entering other markets. Being a Florida resident growing up here my whole life, it is very alluring to want to have that coastal Florida Airbnb. So I think I'm always going to be looking out. Eventually, I'll probably have a couple of those, you know, as I grow, just identifying which market makes sense, whether it's on the Gulf side, the Atlantic, wherever it might be, the Panhandle. So I'm continuing to look in several of those different markets, you know, for our next growth opportunity. Yeah, there there's plenty of pockets in Florida, right, that are sort of, there's ones that are very well known and very built out. And there's some that are kind of in that middle ground of they have some awareness, but they're not completely built out yet. And then I still think that there's some areas that we worked with a client out in Cape San Blas, for example, and like that market, you don't really hear about it a lot. It's not one that makes sort of headlines anywhere. And yet they did very well for themselves <laughs> down there in kind of the, the forgotten coast, if you will. So there's definitely still some areas that I think have room to grow and like more visibility. And a lot of them are completely dependent on, you know, on vacation rentals, on short-term rentals as a tax base. And, you know, that sort of makes it, I think, appealing where I can't imagine regulation really hitting an area like that too hard because they can't really cut it off completely because that's how they make all their money. And that's the only demand channel. Whereas like in an urban Florida market, like a, you know, like a Miami or something like that, they sort of can ban these sort of things because they don't need it for their area and tax base to be successful. So yeah, lots to think about when it comes to Florida, obviously, but hey, beach is the weather. There's a, there's a reason why it's a, a good market to, to be in for sure. No, absolutely. There's a lot of opportunity, a lot of great stuff. And you're absolutely right on that regulation hedge with some of these small towns that are re very reliant yeah, on yeah. short-term rentals. No, no doubt. All right. So thanks, Taylor, for your time. I really do appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. And like I said, I feel like I had a fun opportunity here to talk to someone who is doing very interesting things. And it's, I guess, from my perspective, being around it for a little while now and seeing uh, the renewed interest, sometimes you find people who are, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it nicely, but you kind of find people who are hopping on a trend who I think are just sort of taking advantage of a moment. And then you find people who I think are like authentic and like genuinely helpful like you are. And it's good to have that type of conversation and the perspectives that you bring and your approach I think is one that's going to make you and Superhost just super successful over the coming years and all that kind of stuff. So following along, I think, would you mind telling the folks where to follow you? I, you know, I've been hawking your Twitter this whole time, and I'm sure there's other places where people can check you out. Yeah, certainly. No, appreciate it. It's been uh, great to share and learn and <clears throat> continue to give back. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Jones STRs. You can find out what we're doing over at superhostlabs.com, all the different projects we're working on, our portfolio, you know, all the different new endeavors that we are pursuing and building and growing can all be found there. So really excited to continue to build this out and excited for the journey ahead. Right on. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much.